Okay, good morning, everybody. Everybody is well. Happy Wednesday for those that are here live. Happy whatever day of the week it is for you. Thanks so much for being here. We've been talking about this concept of negativity. Just getting my bearings today. Negativity, how it gets in our head, how it's normal. Survival, social acceptance. And we spoke yesterday about this concept of how do we get through it. We discussed the way you get through it is you don't go under it, you go above it. Right? There's sort of two ways of getting through something. And I'm sure that they're both very valuable. And one way as I'm I'm talking as I'm drawing, if you could see, I don't know. I think when I draw, it makes more sense is there's a wall. And the way you get through the wall is you dig a hole underneath it. And that's the equivalent of like analyzing why you think the way you think and do the way you do and say the way you say. And there's value to that. I'm sure there are psychologists watching and saying, no, it's so important. We dove into it. Got it. Whatever. Live and let live. The way you do things, God bless you. I'm not the expert of anything. In this particular area, I would like to suggest an alternative approach which is that if you're going to get into why you react negatively, it's going to take you forever. And you're going to be dealing with the negative emotions of negative. It's super hard, super hard. So the other way is you go above it. And what does it mean to go above it? So we spoke about this concept of visualization. We've done this before, maybe, I don't know, nine months, 10 months ago. That the way your mind works is that Imagination creates almost the same neurological connections as experience. It's not as rich, doesn't include as many senses, but it creates something. And so really your mind, remember, your mind is not your soul. Your mind is a computer. Your soul is who you are. Like the you that you point to in the mirror is not your brain. The you that you point to in the mirror is your soul. Your brain is the computer that your soul has to navigate the world. So the brain that you have is agnostic to how thinking happens as long as thinking happens. And so as you have imagination, you create neuroplasticity and you create neuroconnections and neuroconnections is what makes it feel real. And this is a major technique used by athletes, because if you want an athlete to perform at a certain level, they have to have experienced winning. But if they don't have enough games or they don't win enough, it's hard to do that. Right. If you're training an Olympic athlete to run a a 400 yard dash. Well, That's once in four years. So there's training and there's trials. There's plenty of times they run it, but they've never run it in that environment. They mean they never have gone to Korea or to Russia or to Greece or wherever they have to go. And they've never been in an Olympic environment before. And so to prepare them, what Olympic trainers do, and this is a basically normal standard today. It was introduced by the Russians, I think, in the 80s. But now it's already like totally normal. It's all in the book. I don't remember when when the Russians introduced it, but you can look at the book. 
the Olympic athlete doesn't just train. The Olympic athlete imagines where they're going to be. They picture it. They picture the crowd. They picture the fear. They picture being behind. They picture catching up. They picture and they imagine it and they imagine it and they imagine it. So when they get to the actual stadium, to whatever it's impossible, their brain goes, hey, we've been here before. Now, your brain, ha- your brain doesn't know that you haven't been there before. Your mind may know that, right, which is your soul, but your brain doesn't know that. Your brain's like, Doesn't this- wait, haven't we been here? Because this feels familiar. And you're like, uh-huh, because I had it in my head. And it created a neural connection. And all the moments I've already thought of. So when you get to it, it feels more like you. That's the operative concept here. Imagination makes your brain create connections, which makes it feel more like you. Because what we feel is us is really what is already in our brains. is a big deal when it comes to growth and change, especially when it comes to change in spiritual areas. It's one thing to change a job. It's a physical shift. But when you change your connection to spirituality, when you change um, even your philosophical beliefs, let's say, it doesn't feel like you. I'm this type of person. I always did this. And what you're basically saying is my brain feels comfortable in these activities because those are the activities that were introduced to me. It doesn't mean your brain can't do different things. It's that you grew up in this area, in this home at this time, and you were exposed to these things. And now those things feels comfortable. It feels comfortable to go to one of three homes on Thanksgiving, eat these foods, watch this game on tele. That's what I feel comfortable. It doesn't feel comfortable to go to that place. So since it doesn't feel comfortable, it must not be me. It's not true. It's made up. What basically you are saying is that which is in the past continues into my present when I use discomfort as a measure to see something as me. Hope I'm making sense. So the reason why we're negative is because we take offense or are insecure or whatever it is when the stimuli hits us. So I feel insecure about my job. So when I walk into that room and someone says they were successful, I already am attacking them. I feel insecure about my religion or denomination. So when I walk into a room and someone who is different than me speaks in a way I am jumping down their throat. I feel insecure about my parenting. So when my child makes a comment like, how come you couldn't help me on my final or my test, mommy? I react. I have stuff to work on because I'm a human being. And when I interact with people that trigger my insecurities, my peeves, my discomforts, 
I get into that world of negativity. But what if I was able to use my imagination? What if, able, what if I was able to say, hmm, I'm, I can pretty much sum up my month. There's always new stuff, but there's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, like, yeah, I'm always meeting new people, but there's probably like eight or nine characters that keep on circulating in my life. It's the same stuff that keeps on regenerating stuff. What if I changed how I anticipated this? And this is going to sound a little hokey, but everything is hokey until it's common sense. And then it's then you move on to the next thing. That's sort of how it is, right? New things are hokey. By the time everybody adopts it, it's already moved on to the next science, the next development. Common sense is too late. This is backed by science. Using my imagination triggers my brain to make me more comfortable to be a person that I wanted to be. Imagination is like you taking the reins on your neuro connections because you don't have to actually be doing it. You just have to be thinking about it. You have to be imagining it. And it's not going to happen overnight. Shocker. So when you walk into a room, or when you go home, or when you go into your office, and on the way, you are mentally preparing yourself to act in the way that you want to act, which is clearer because we're not in the moment yet. Once you get into the moment, the emotions kick in. That's why we're great at giving advice and not taking advice. Because when you give advice, there's no emotions. It's not you. Well, before you walk into the scenario, it's not you either. You didn't get to it yet. You get to just be perspective. So if we take a moment or a bunch of moments, maybe at the beginning of our day or the end of our day, maybe on the train or in the car, maybe before we walk into the room and we start to imagine the person that we want to be, how we want to handle this thing. What happens is as we get into the room and the negativity starts, we feel familiar. Our brain's like, wait, 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 don't we know another way? Like, isn't there another path that like I sort of know? I've seen it. Like when you walk in and like you're above it, where you don't descend into the pettiness, where you empower, where you're not threatened. Haven't, haven't we seen that before, your brain says? Because when you imagine it before you get into it, your brain now has a reference point. And even if you walk in one, two, 10, 20 times and still fail, by post or pre imagining who you want to be, you are priming your mind to feel more and more and more familiar with the feelings of greatness. So that when you get into that room that 10th, 18th, 20th time, you 
20% more can do it. You 40% more can do it. And then all you got to do is do it in 10 more percent. And you go, holy cow, this works. I thought this was all like, you know, you know, kumbaya. I didn't know this actually works. This is amazing. I'm going to do this again. And then you do it and do it and do it. Before you know it, you're different. You're different. That That's the research from Irving Yalom. Someone gets diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. They're different. What happened? They were always the same. Their brain was like, we're not doing this no more. Your mentality shifts and you shift. Now, nobody should have to need that. But you can imagine, you don't have to need the negative fear of death. You can just imagine how you want to be with people. You can imagine what it feels like to be above the fray. You can imagine what it feels like to be gracious. You can think of people that are role models in this area, and you can imagine being like them in this scenario. And the more you imagine it, the more it becomes familiar. And the more it becomes familiar, the more your brain goes to it in the moment. So you're not delving into, why do I feel this way? How come I'm insecure? How come I'm upset? That may be valuable. You probably need someone to help you through it. But what we're doing is we're, we're going above it. We're going above it. We're using our minds to paint a new picture. And then holding on to that picture long enough until that feels like me. And again, we've all been here, at least some people. And I use this example only because it's easy. If you've ever gone on a health kick, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because if you've ever gone from, I eat everything in sight, to I'm eating healthy, and you're exercising and you feel great, you wake up one morning and go, this is me. It's me. It's not a new, this is really me. And then if you've ever fell off that wagon and gone back to eating everything in sight, you go, this is me. What can I do? I can't diet. And you could be these two different people within three months. There's a big, you know, family event coming up. Someone's getting married and you got to look good in, in, in a suit or a dress and you get on the wagon and you look at yourself beforehand and you feel good and you can sleep better and you everything just works. And you don't even miss anything. You're not even hungry. And you're like, this is me. And then the wedding, the week afterwards, you start eating, the dresses in the closet, the suits hung up, and you're eating and you're eating, maybe a couple of holidays roll in. The next thing you know, you're like, ah, it's been 10 minutes. I'm hungry. Anybody have a donut? And they're like, why don't you, weren't you like, help? And you're like, nah, it's not me. Well, what's you? They're both you. Because you can either be healthy or not based on your brain. And your brain does something enough. It starts to get the momentum until it says, that's me. 
And then it can do something and get that momentum negatively and go, that's me. Why can't we do it for interpersonal relationships? Why can't we work on our mind to master the interpersonal relationships in our lives? Why can't we work on our lives to be more courageous at work? Why can't we work on our minds to be more courageous in our depth and our spirituality? Why can't we? It's our brain. Doesn't, it's not only focused on food, even if it's Jewish. Like, we're just going to have to use the tool. Well, that's why God gave it to us, to use it. Imagination wasn't meant just for kindergartners and Walt Disney. Imagination was meant to be used so that we can go places that we couldn't go physically. In fact, this is a whole conversation. In the old days, that's how great, great, great holy rabbis would pray. Not just rabbis. They would imagine themselves in Jerusalem. They would imagine themselves by the temple. They would imagine themselves. And that imagination was so real to them over time that they literally felt that feeling. They were in Jerusalem at the temple even though they were in some shtetl in Poland. And that feeling overwhelmed them. It changed their prayers. The great Piazetna Rebbe speaks about imagining yourself at the end of the year as a way to drive growth. Imagination, in Hebrew it's called koach Imagination was a, pra- a very, in a way, normative practice to spiritual growers in Jewish history. We just lost it because we're all materialists. And the truth, and I'll end with this, and we'll continue with God's help tomorrow. Where your mind is, is really close to where your soul is. Your soul doesn't need geographic uh, grounding. You really could be sitting in the middle of wherever, and if your mind is nestled in Jerusalem, your soul is connected to Jerusalem. All right, let's try it. Let's try it. Okay, everybody, have a great day. Think about it. Next time you're doing something, take a five minutes. Imagine how you would want to do it. The ideal. We'll, we'll, we'll get some details maybe tomorrow. But just let's start toying with this. All right, have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Because I can't wait to see you tomorrow.